Welcome to the Best Ever You Show with Elizabeth Hamilton Garino, here to help you find success in all areas of your life. The power is in your hands. Join our network for free at besteveryou.com. And now, here's Elizabeth. Hey, everybody. It's not just me, Elizabeth. That intro should be like, and now here's Elizabeth with like awesome author Lisa McCourt. Lisa, how are you today? Welcome. I'm wonderful, Elizabeth. So happy to be with you. Yes, it's it's great to have you here. So I know you from your kids your kids books. <laughs> so I'm a mom of four boys, and they're now in their twenties. They're twenty two, twenty four, twenty six, and eight and twenty eight. So I know I love you, stinky face, really, really, really well. And um, so how I want to just start there because I know our audience knows that book, and then we're going to talk about Lisa's new book here in a minute. It's called Free Your Joy. The 12 Keys to to Sustainable Happiness. But um, Lisa, like you're the author of I Love You Stinky Face. I love that book. (laughs) Thank you so much. Yeah, I was was really immersed in the the world of personal development, personal growth at that time. And I just, you know, as any of us who do this kind of work, I know you have recognized this as well, Elizabeth, the the core unworthiness is just so rampant and so much the cause of, of all her limitations. And that was just beginning to dawn for me the the prevalence of that and the magnitude of core unworthiness and that was my my goal I was pregnant with my first child and I said I just want to write a book that I can read to my child and that other parents can read to just kind of nip that in the bud or at least try to set a foundation of no matter what you do what you are what happens you are inherently so lovable and perfect and beautiful and worthy well, that did it, didn't it? Nine million some books later, <laughs> you sold. It's pretty amazing. And, and I don't know if you're, I don't know if you're aware of the the, the universe cosmic twist that occurred a bit later. But the baby that was in my belly at that time is my beautiful and perfect transgender daughter. And that led to a lot of work with the transgender community, and that book has actually become a little bit of a, an emblem in the LGBTQ community. Kids who were read that book as a child and now are finding that they've they've found that limit to their parents' unconditional love and support and it's it's really, really heartbreaking, but it's it's gifted amongst uh, you know, young adults these days for that that reason. Good. I love hearing that. Thank you for sharing that with me because I always worry about people. I'm a I'm a worrier about of people and their joy and their happiness and their love and their peace and their being their best and acceptance and you know all those things that go with you know helping people be their best. I'm a I'm a people worrier like that and I always it pains me when I hear stories otherwise when people aren't accepted and things like that no matter who you are and where you are. So, yeah. Um oh. I Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I just, I feel your heart. I feel you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I feel yours too. And it comes through in your Free the Joy book. I was, I, um, I, it just, your book arrived to me like probably about two days ago. So I, I started reading it and then I'm, I put it down and I'm reading it again because it's, it's meant kind of for a year long journey for your joy. So I've done your half of your book in <laughs> two days. Um, but what I'm doing <laughs> through it is I'm, I'm highlighting and I'm marking up and I'm, sticky noting and things like that, places where I want to go back and read um, and digest it more thoroughly and things like that. So it's it's a really great book. Um, I'm going to just say it again. It's um, Free Your Joy, The 12 Keys to, to, I'm going to get this right, to Sustainable Happiness. And the publisher is HCI. The distributor is Simon & Schuster. And the author is Lisa McCourt. You spell her name 
uh, the last name MC, capital C, O-U-R-T, and you can go to her website, which is lisamccourt.com while we're talking or whatever. Um, and I was, I was really excited to hear all about joy. It's one of my favorite, favorite topics. And I want to know um, kind of like why you wrote a book about joy. Yeah, it's always been my date word. I know that's kind of weird, but I feel like everybody recognizes that they want more joy. Like no matter how much joy you have, it's sort of like money or respect or power. Like we humans, we just want more. We want more joy, more more of this, more of this. And so, you know, if I had said what you really want is more alignment with your soul essence. You know, like I don't think as many people would really buy into like understanding that's what they really want. <laughs> so joy is the result of aligning with a part of us that every single human being possesses. There's nobody walking around out there without one, right? It's your soul, it's your spirit. If those terms are uncomfortable, then it's just your higher self, your your best you that you came in here, the essence of you that you came into this human suit as. And all of us along our journey in this human suit gather obstructions to experiencing that aspect of us, being able to align with it at will, being able to sustainably keep it in the forefront of our existence. We want that part of us to be driving the bus. And for most people, we've been conditioned for it being like way, way, way in the backseat if we even acknowledge it's there. (laughs) So to me, joy has just always been the natural, inevitable result of finding alignment with that part of you. So that's why I use that word. (laughs) Yeah. Now, one of the reasons why I write my books is kind of sometimes, not always, but, you know, you kind of hope you leave them around and your kids read them or they hear your messaging or, you know, they've grown up with you. So they hear your messaging. Like mine were raised with like hashtag gratitude on the refrigerator and a bunch of other sayings. But, you know, is this a book for your children to read and remember? Is this a book oh, for, for sure. older adult? Yeah. I, I, as I was reading, I'm like, you know, this is from her heart to her kids. And everybody else just gets to kind of come along for the ride. Yeah, my kids also have been brought up with all of this. And, and it's funny, they both have interests, but in different ways. My eldest daughter, my transgender daughter, has always been very um, metaphysically oriented, very psychically gifted into crystals and things like more so than, than I am. So she always completely related on that aspect. And my other daughter is very pragmatic. She's at UF doing her medical degree. She's not, you know, not really as interested in the, the woo-woo end of things. But mm-hmm. she's been in my, my joy school. She loves the to, to be in the classes and she'll be the first one to read the book. And she's, you know, she's always been, you know, interested more from the psychology angle so i appeal to my children in different <laughs> different parts of what i do don't we all <laughs> or, or not appeal <laughs> in moments yeah <laughs> yeah um, yeah uh, okay so let's see where do i want to go with this so if you hear me fumbling around here i've got papers in your book and all this stuff so um, oh, I love that. You, I love that. Yeah, this is me. This is your book rattling around in my hand. So we we don't have, you know, clean, perfect studio audio without, you know, a book rattling around in my hands here. So um, tell me, tell me about, about the book and what you want. Like if I'm going to go buy your book on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or, or Books a Million or wherever, or those independent bookstores, what do you want me as the reader to 
to do? Like, of course, read the book, but what do you really want us to learn and do from reading your book? Because it's time and energy to read a book. Oh, yeah, for sure. So so what I, my, my, I guess my best goal for the book is that for somebody to actually pay attention to that title and want to buy it, you know, that, that's like, that shows that there's a crack, an opening of belief that we can create a more joyful, sustainable status quo for ourselves. And most people, it's been my experience that most people out there in the great out there don't have that belief, don't, don't even really think that it's possible to make some changes, change up some habits, and sustainably elevate what I call your joy set point, your, your day-to-day baseline for how much joy and meaning and vibrancy you experience in your life. So for somebody to be interested enough to have this book in their hands or on their audio, I feel like then the, I just get the crowbar in there and we just widen that belief and we just get it stronger and stronger with each page, with each chapter, with each week of practice because really the degree to which you believe you're in control of your joy, your happiness is the exact degree to which you will be able to up-level your life. <laughs> yeah. so we're always creating our whole existence based on our beliefs. So that's really all it requires. So if somebody's already got the book, then yay, there's already like a little bit of an opening of belief. We just got to widen it. And that happens naturally by doing the practices and seeing the results. Yeah. And I'm going to add, not that I think that we have grumpy people listening to this show or anything like that, <laughs> or, or unhappy people, but you know, I do think, and I've had moments in my life, like after my dad passed away, where I was in grief and grumpy and angry and you know, all those low vibration things that you're feeling and feeling sort of stuck. And should I quit best ever you? Should I write another book? You know, all those things just come to the surface. So I would also say, like um, Lisa just said something really brilliant right there. You know, this book kind of gets that crowbar in there. So if you're feeling that way, I know the last thing you want to do is probably have a book that's like, yeah, be all joy, you know, kind of thing. But maybe it's exactly what you need. Um, I know yesterday, for some reason, I dipped in my energy. I'm like, ooh, did I like eat something that's not making me feel well? Why do I have this funky like energy about me today? I couldn't figure out what I was so grumpy about. And then I kind of figured it out. But today I started reading your book again. I'm like, oh, there's my joy, (laughs) you know, kind of thing. And I it's hard, though, when you're grumpy to pick up a book about joy, isn't it? Or is it? No, I think that's exactly it. That's mm-hmm. exactly and, and we get addicted to our, our lower emotions. It's just a, a glitch on the system that, that human beings, we do yeah. tend to wallow in our misery. And there has to be like a, a desire to pull out of it, right? And if there's not that desire, you're not going to open the book and you're not going to do that really easy first practice. And and that is a, a, a problem in the system is that we often are, are just kind of comfortable in our lower vibration states. Yeah. And recognizing that we are need to, needing to kind of elevate is, uh, is different. Cause I, you know, I have a, you know how you have a favorite buzzword of joy. Um, you know, it's your kind of go-to word and maybe you have other ones too. Cause I do that word a year thing, but I think my favorite one is uh, abundance. And I think it kind of goes hand in hand with joy. And I never mean abundance in a sense of like, Oh, money's, you know, falling off trees and into my pockets or anything like that. But I just love the feeling of not less than. Yeah. No, that is a beautiful world word because one of the things I talk about in the book is this primitive brain programming that we all still are subject to because our 
caveman ancestors were like a little tiny blip ago in the grand scheme of things. And scarcity, scarcity for resources, competition over desirable meats and the right berries in the right season. And, you know, that was, that's hardwired into us. It doesn't really have application in our Western privileged societies that we live in, but we still are, are programmed with that default setting to, to think about it, uh, everything in our lives in terms of scarcity. So abundance feels like the antidote to that to me. You can have abundance of joy, abundance of rest, abundance of peace, abundance of financial resources if that's what you're, you're needing, abundance of love. I think it's a beautiful word. Yeah, I love I love that word. Um, it's just like become become one of my favorite ones, and I think it's like so like you were saying like it's so it it just applies. It's like the antidote to when you're feeling like less than or um, just any kind of negative anything. Uh, it it helps you give give yourself perspective, much like joy. I think as well. Like if it, and I, there's a point in your book, and I can't remember which page page it was on or anything, but it it wasn't like. You're not saying like, I think you said like be all Pollyanna on it, but not, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you're at the risk of being Pollyanna. Um, that's not what you're saying. Can you fix that sentence a little bit there for me? Yeah, absolutely. It was, um, I think it was in one of the, the self-assessments about like, do yeah. you expect the best to unfold or are you afraid of looking like a Pollyanna if you were to that's take exactly that approach? <laughs> yeah. Or has life shown you that, taking that approach is the the portal to miracles. Like only when we expect the best to unfold as opposed to always expecting the worst case to unfold, that that's when we create it that way. <laughs> you know, we have to have the belief and the expectation before we can have the creation. Yeah, you were talk I think you were talking about faith. Unwavering faith. That was yeah. one thing my dad had. My dad was so sick uh, from 2004 to 2018. And I would say, what is making you continue on where other people would give up? Uh, you know, because he's a subject in my books and things like that. And he had such faith and hope and such a positive, uh, positive vibe, even in the sickest and worst way, you know, when he was just so sick and so not feeling well, he always had such faith and it was amazing. He applied such positive energy to being sick. It was a, it was a true, a true lesson. Um, Do you find that that's something that joy can bring is positive through just anything coming your way? Oh, I, people like that are so beautiful to be around. Mm. What a blessing for you and what a blessing I'm sure you were for him. And, and that's, that's just it. It's when we can source that from within, which is a learned skill. Any of us can learn to do it. When we can source that and be that, we are shining so much love and light onto everyone around us. And then, you know, love ripples. So all of those people, everybody that they are in contact with that day, whether it's the kid making your sandwich on the deli or the guy getting in the elevator with you, it ripples out. And and that's why people like your dad you know, people. So many people are afraid to to put some effort and time into their joy and elevating their own personal vibration because they feel like that's selfish when there's so much suffering in the world. But it's the very best thing you can do for those around you and and for everybody beyond that. It just ripples out. So absolutely, yeah. that you know, having those kind of people in our lives is such a blessing. Yeah, I must think at points we, um, you know, great doctors too, but I think at points there were moments when it was hopeless and we willed them well. 
and he willed himself oh. well. It was a really interesting thing, my dad being sick. So, uh, yeah, I believe that. Cool human being. Yeah, we plastered his hospital walls with photographs of all eleven of us kids and grandkids. He's got, I think, it eighteen or seventeen grandkids at the time and all this stuff. And we just we we willed him well as best we could, and it worked. It worked for a while until things, you know, he just got too sick. But that was a really long time to survive with what happened to him. Um, Thank you for listening to that. Oh. Talk about my dad. Hi, Dad. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> he's always he's always around. Um, the you've got a word in your book, and I feel like my Midwest self is going to destroy the pronunciation of this word. But it's like, is it Kirk Kirklunk? Like Kirk? Like Kirk? Like a word is made for Midwesterners. <laughs> I feel like yes. it, it's very I, literal, like Kirklunk. Kirklunk. <laughs> Did I get it right? <laughs> nope. You got it. Perfect. And I don't even know where it came from, to tell you the truth. I've just been saying it for so long that I don't know if I Perfect. heard somebody else say it or I made it up. But, yeah, it's just I, I feel like we need a, this word in our vocabulary, especially those of us who are on a spiritual path and have done this sort of a you know metaphysical study or just personal growth study for a long time. It's that moment, that really sacred, beautiful moment when this idea that you've heard about and agreed to and, you know, you already had the light bulb go off in your head at some prior workshop or retreat. Oh, yeah, this is a solid principle. I am behind this. I agree with this. This is, I'm I'm on board. But then at some point after hearing it repeatedly or hearing how people have applied it to their lives, it just goes kerklunk down into your bones, into your soul, and you're changed by it. And I feel like that's what this whole like journey is about, is just hearing these things and being in those containers, those energetic containers enough that these concepts that seem like great ideas in theory, but they aren't really the way the world works. So we kind of just keep them over here in our once a week, you know, workshop that we go to. But when they when they become part of your life, when they just become your default setting, it's such a beautiful, beautiful thing when that happens. So I had to make up a word for it. (laughs) It's a great word. And that is a hard concept to explain to people because as self-help authors, like I've, I've heard myself called not pragmatic and I'm like, Oh no, 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 no. What I'm trying to say is this gratitude thing, it becomes part of you. You root your whole entire being in it so that when something comes your way, you know, you see it from a totally different point of view and maybe even much different than other people see it because they're on a different wavelength, path, space, place, whatever it is. And that is, that's hard to explain. So I, as you were talking, I, I wrote down like gratitude, abundance, joy, peace, happiness, and all those like lovely love, high vibrational type words. What happens to you when they become part of you? Like your, your method of operation. Like I operate from gratitude. You op, you know, I'm sure you operate from a number of things, but for sake of this, I'm just going you operate from joy. What happens to your being when you operate from that place versus like operating from anger or sadness or grief or impatience or whatever? Hallelujah, sister, for sure. <laughs> and it's, it's a practice yeah. skill, right? Like habits, yeah. we all are habitual creatures. We all have habitual thought patterns that are just going across that ticker tape in our minds all day long. And habits are not known for being particularly easy to break, but we all know they are breakable. It is something that you can do with some commitment, with some practice. You can install a whole new thought pattern default system. Yeah. Your book's the perfect book for somebody saying, this always happens to me. 
Don't you yeah. think? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that can be a huge nut for, for a lot of people to, to really kind of digest is that, yeah, it does keep happening to us because we are reality manufacturing machines. And if we're always creating our next reality from the energy that is staying consistent within us, we're going to keep creating the same reality in essence again and again, even if it has different wrapping paper. It's only when we take control of the, the creative matter, the clay that we're creating from, our energy, that we can ever create anything different. So yeah, it is a good book for, for that, but someone has to be ready to kind of hear and acknowledge that and take responsibility and it's not yeah. about beating ourselves up if we're creating things we don't like you know that's such a slippery slope it's like once you decide yes I am creating everything out there even these things that I'm really unhappy with you can't beat yourself up about that because we just it's, it's what we do we, we don't know any better it's all done so innocently so unwittingly that having compassion for that whole creative cycle and compassion for ourselves is the only way to, to heal it and change it that's a great word. Compassion such a good word. Um, yeah, compassion for yourself is a big thing because I don't know about you, Lisa, but um, are you, it, my website anyway doesn't say perfect ever you. <laughs> it says best ever you. And uh, I really mean that from my heart. You know, I, I think there's certain people you pray are perfect, like surgeons and pilots and people, you know, but even they make mistakes and things like that. But on a day in and day out basis, you know, um, to to try and be your best and live your best life and and bring the joy and the happy energy in and all that stuff. Um, even if you even if you're disrupting, like what you were kind of saying, like disrupting your flow of whatever it is you've got going on. I'm going to be choppy here, but bringing back in that compassion for when you make those mistakes or when you aren't perfect or when things aren't great or whatever it is. Like this morning on my Twitter, I put out a note that said yoga pants. <laughs> so it's like the antidote to jeans because jeans make everybody cranky you know, or something like that. Which, you know, if you think about a woman in the dressing room trying on jeans or nothing but frustration, but yoga pants are like <laughs> perfect, whatever. And, um, and then you, and then you, <laughs> hold on, wait, I'm not done. And then you go into this, you know, beat yourself up for eating this or that because your jeans don't fit. And, and you're like, no, 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 just the yoga pants are good. <laughs> no kind of thing. So I know why I was grumpy yesterday. It's because I wolfed down two pieces of pizza. And then I ha- and then I was like, oh, man, my jeans don't fit. <laughs> and I had that whole thing and things that we're talking about in pragmatic ways, right? In, in reality, you know, right? Pizza was not going to be the thing yeah. of my joy. Nor were jeans. <laughs> Take that one. Yeah, no. Run. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that one. That was too adorable. But, but yeah, <laughs> and you know what? You're allowed to have pizza, too. You're allowed to have joy from pizza, too. You're allowed to have joy on the days that your jeans fit great. And you're allowed to have joy on the days they don't because you have that joy of the yummy pizza. So, you know, we get to be our, our human creature selves sometimes. And, and yeah, just just giving up on that judgment for the pizza days is a huge game changer. It's like, yeah, I'm going to have me some pizza sometimes. I deserve it. I'm going to love me right there. (laughs) (laughs) Jeans are going packed away for a day. Anyway. um, Yeah, no, just some, just some fun. You know, if you can't laugh at yourself, boy, that's part of it too, right? The, the, the laughter and the fun. And I think, I think so much about, um, when I think about joy and happiness, I also think about laughter. 
Do you? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, there's laughter therapy. There's whole, you know, books written about cancer patients who just go and laugh for an hour a day and use the trials. It does. It releases endorphins. It calms the nervous system. There are all sorts of things that our our bodies do that have a tremendous impact on our our body chemistry. Humming humming changes our body chemistry. uh, Something about the vibration. David Primal says it aligns your chakras. But laughing, for sure, they say even just putting your, your face into a smile, like those, put, using those muscles in your face for smiling sends messages to your brain to release dopamine and endorphins and happy chemicals. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah and um, I love it. Yeah, and key two, uh, Lisa talks about know thyself. And on page 59 and 60, for all of you new to self-help, which I know we seem to get people kind of, listening in and trying to figure out what they're going to do with, with their own journey and things like that. But there's a really cool, um, I'm so glad you put this in this book, Lisa, because even I am like, I don't really quite, there's so much information on meditation out there that it overwhelms my brain. I absolutely just, my brain's like, I don't know which one to trust, which one to do. And so I usually end up kind of doing this and it's described perfectly in your book and I and I like it because it just taught me a few things. I'm like, oh, okay, there's some things I can do. Um, but 59, 60, 61, you talk a lot about meditation. Do you want to talk more about meditation now? Maybe. Sure. Yeah, I, I think that the word scares a lot of people off. It, it, it goes mm. one of two ways. Like, happier listeners are probably like, oh, I would never go a day without meditating. Like, people who have built the practice typically love it and are proponents for it. But there are a lot of people who I think would say, like, oh, I tried that. It wasn't for me. I don't know how to turn off my thoughts. First of yep. all, it's not about turning off your thoughts. Nobody's turning off their thoughts. It's just not really a thing that happens in this human form. And and so I try to give alternatives and different ways. And there's chanting and there's, you know, basically anything we do with enough mindfulness can become a meditation. You can have a knitting meditation or a cooking meditation or walking meditation. So I try to, to take the you know, the the mystery out of it in that chapter, because all it's really about is getting that little bit of distance from your thoughts, right? Our thoughts Mm -hmm. are feeding us a load of crap every day. That's the ticker tape that's going by. They say 70,000 thoughts a day. Most of them are the same ones we had yesterday and last week and last month. And the statistics say the majority of most people's thoughts are negative thoughts. This is all still part of that primitive brain programming that we had, you know, when we were, when our survival was in question every day, when we actually had to be on high alert for the dangers that could come around any corner and propagation of the species was a really strong biological need that seemed threatened and it's not that way anymore, but our brains haven't caught up. So these thoughts that most of us are watching go by every day and attaching to and identifying with are generally not serving our joy. So meditation is really just a way to get a little bit of distance. And not only during that time that you're meditating, that's not really the point because a lot of people will say, oh, I meditated and nothing happened. Nothing happens when I meditate. Nothing's supposed to happen. It's just a little practice (laughs) session so that when you are out there in life and something's triggering you, you've built the muscle for pulling back a little bit, taking a little bit more of that observer Role, watching your thoughts, watching your reactivity instead of being caught up in the, the drama of it like most of us are conditioned to do. 
So that's really all meditation is about is just, just building that muscle of having a little bit of distance from identifying with our thoughts. Because once we are disidentified with our thoughts and we're in that observer role, that's our soul. That's our soul self watching our human self. And mm-hmm. the more we can align there in different ways through different practices, the more the natural joy that we are is going to flood into our experience because we are all joy at our core. Mm, I love that. Good learning show for people. I love it when we get to learn. Uh, what's your favorite chapter? Do you have one? I know that's I know that's not a fair question, but if you can just it, that's code for pick one and talk about it. But I think <laughs> do you have a ten. favorite one? I, I think it's I, <laughs> I think it's chapter ten because I just did a, a lunch party. I had an online lunch party and I had a, a live lunch party. And for the live lunch party, it was mostly party. And I was just going to do a little bit from the book. So I was looking through, thinking like if I was going to read something, and I was going to read the beginning of chapter ten. But then I realized, you know what? Without the context of all the other chapters, I don't know that it's it's as rewarding. But it's a chapter where I describe one of my teachers. I use a lot, a lot of teachers in the book because that's how I learned these things is by all my beautiful, fabulous like teachers that I've had. So I want to be sure and always credit them and call them out when I'm teaching from them. And Rupert Spira has this analogy of um, sitting on the couch and looking at a blank screen and your friend comes in and says, hey, what are you doing? And you say, I'm just sitting here looking at this screen. And the next day, you're sitting on the couch looking at the screen, but the TV's on this time. And your friend comes in and says, hey, what are you doing? And you say, oh, my God, there's, you know, Marjorie's husband was stabbed by the clown, and now he's hiding under her bed. And, you know, and your friend's like, oh, it looks to me like you're doing exactly what you were doing yesterday. You're sitting on the couch looking at the screen. So it's a, a metaphor for becoming the observer, like we've been touching on, and how everything that's out there in our external reality, it's really just a drama that we've created. We, we are the projector. We're the ones who are creating all of this out there. And the more we can become detached from it, the more we can not be reactive, the more we can stay aligned with soul. And yet, and I think this is the part that I like in this chapter because I never hear anyone else talk about this, I don't like, I, I've been in these spiritual trainings where it's all about watching the, the screen. I don't like that on a moment-to-moment basis because for me, being here in this human suit, I relish this human stuff. I relish the pleasures of the flesh. I, I relish the, the connection and the relationships. And I don't want to be reminded of the screen all the time. So I've sort of invented this, this for me, I can decide when I want to get lost in the movie and forget that, that it's a fake thing that I created and other times when I can pull back and, and sit on the couch and turn down the volume a little bit and blur out the images a little bit. And and in that way, the, the show that I'm watching unfold goes from being a high-intensity drama to more of a documentary so that I can not be entangled in these storylines that cause suffering Instead of saying, you know, how, how, you know, why is this happening? I can say, what, what did my soul want to show me when it made and directed this movie? What, what am I to learn from here? How can I evolve from this? And mm. it's just kind of a, a metaphor that I, 
if I had been reading it, it would have sounded better, but that's, <laughs> that's the no, part no. of that chapter that I, I really like. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like this chapter too. I, I, it's funny. I read two from the front and three from the back, um, which were the, the oh. remaining three chapters just to kind of, and so I'll go back and, and read the middle of the book, but I was just trying to kind of get a feel for the book um, beginning to end. And I noticed I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to read this more thoroughly, but we're good for today. Anyway, I'll have you back. I think I'm going to have you back on and talk more about your book. Um, but I, I like the, I, um, there's some quotes in this chapter from, and there, and you talk about some of my favorite people too, but you're like, um, you talk about, I don't mind what happens, mic drop, you know, that one. And then, um, yeah. there, of course, and, um, oh, Miguel Ruiz, who I've had father and son on my radio show before. If you haven't listened to that show, that was a cool show. I'll send you a link to it. If you haven't heard that one, um, Lisa, but, Bye. um, yeah, no, really super fun, and they're and they're friends of yours. So, um, tell me, tell me. A, oh, I don't even know the kind of question I want to ask. Other than just these are great quotes, but um, tell me why it was important to loop these people into this chapter. How's that? Yeah, no, I think every chapter I've looped people in. Yeah, I, have, I know. Have always, I, I've always had this feeling ever since I decided because I think. I don't know if this was the case for you, Elizabeth, but I have a lot of friends who, who write about the kinds of things that we write about, a lot of friends in personal growth. Mm-hmm. And for many of us, that first moment of, I think I want to write a book. Who am I to write a book? You know, there are so many great <laughs> books out there. Yeah. And there was really this turning point for me where I realized, like, I'm just joining a team. I'm joining a really important army because for every person out there who's never looked into personal growth or spirituality or metaphysics or any of this stuff, for, for every one of them, or, or let's say for everybody who has, who has been initiated into this world, there was a teacher, there was somebody, someone along the way, something, they were scrolling down a, a Facebook feed or a book caught their eye in the bookstore or somehow they had exposure to a person's energy that made them curious enough to dip their toes in these waters and start exploring there. And that's going to be different for every person out there who would really benefit from this kind of messaging. So I feel like the more of us that there are on this team, the more likely it's going to be that someone's going to catch a group with our personality, our form of delivery, and ever since then, I've just been such a proponent. My joy school has always been equal parts. I'm going to teach you what I know, and I'm going to bring in this amazing teacher, and I'm going to bring in this amazing teacher. Because to me, the, the joining of all of that is what's so powerful and, and what I love about being on this team. Yeah, I feel exactly the same way. I remember when I closed the door to my office in the financial services industry and wrote down best ever me, best ever you. And I was like, oh, other people have to be feeling this way. And I went on this journey of not knowing Really, I wasn't to that point a person who read self-help books even or anything like that. So I've had to go on this journey and have been on this wonderful journey of who are all these authors and what are their messages and what are they saying and do I agree, disagree, what, you know, that kind of thing. And for me, uh, when I decided to write a book, it was a moment when my dad was in a rehab facility and um, for his stroke and uh, he couldn't talk really to that point or anything like that. It had taken like an hour to get him down to the speech therapy session. And this nurse said to us, to my mom and me, you know, she goes, you know, most people in this situation can't say a word, but we're going to play the alphabet game anyway. And when he says, A, I'm going to ask him for a word that comes to mind. And most, she goes, most people don't say anything considering where he's at. And he said, aardvark. 
And then he went, <sighs> Nevolent, yeah, yeah, no. And then we were like, oh, boy, there's drugs. Uh, drugs on board. He, now he's like, aardvark. And then he went, benevolence, courage, determination, excellence. F was a swear word. Um, goodness, happiness, integrity, joy, kindness, love. M was movies, you know, on and on and on. I'm like, oh, my, I need, and I I got my my journal that I had in my purse about just as quickly as I could and wrote down percolate ABCs of life. <laughs> and that was the, the first book I wrote. But so it wasn't like, mm. um, it wasn't like, Deepak Chopra or anything like that for me. It was like my dad. I'm like, oh, I got to tell people this. My dad's going to show us all how to live <laughs> through this happening kind of thing. And then I had to go back and learn about who all these people were in writing books and in this space and things like that. So for me, I feel like I always have gaps. Um, and I really love your book because I'm like, oh, that's who that is. And that's because I still have gaps. I admit it. Oh, my God. I, but you had your personal guru. That's so beautiful. That's so beautiful and even more meaningful. Yeah, it was it was really fun, and I think I think we all have that too. I know I know um, I know you have that with your kids and things like that, and they become um, why you do what you do and and some of the things. So um, I want to before we go, I want to talk about the structure of your book so people can kind of get a feel for what's how how the book is and what, how you intend people to use the book. Could you go through that for us? Yeah. Absolutely. And like you were uh, saying, too, it's it's completely okay to read the book cover to cover. And most of my advanced readers did that because they wanted to read the whole book. So it's fine to read the whole book and then go back and, and do the practices. And it's fine to cherry pick from the practices, too. I really just wanted to create because I've been doing this a long time. And I used to feel like, okay, all I want to do is find these most powerful pieces and give those to people so they can turn around their lives. And I've realized through my joy school that it, it takes repetition and it takes time and every step requires integration. So I tried to lay out what to me felt like the most absolutely foolproof system that if you actually spend a week on each of these things, bringing it into your day-to-day life, you can't help but substantially elevate your joy at that point. So that's why it's played out that way. It's the 12 keys or the 12 months of the year. You can start any time, any day of the year. And each one gives four week-long practices. Every month isn't exactly four weeks, so there's some wiggle room in there. But four practices that you will do sequentially, each one builds upon the prior one, where you you integrate an idea, a thought, a practice, and you bring it into your day-to-day. And in that way, it allows time for for each of these really time-tested spiritual principles, is what most of them are. Some are more, you know, modern psychological principles, but it's really all sort of the same same basis of these are things that work, but only when you do them. <laughs> so I thought yeah. by stretching it out to a year-long practice, it would give people an opportunity to do the doing part and not just the reading and the ahas. Yeah. And then does that go hand-in-hand hand with Joy School? Tell us about Joy School a little bit. So we know what that is. I know yeah. I saw it on your website. I think I'm going to join that. I think it looks fun. Oh my gosh, you'd be so wonderful there. Um, we we have a weekly opportunity to meet. People are busy. Not everybody comes every week, but there are you know four four opportunities a month to meet, and it is a lot of the practices in the book. So all the the 
parts of the book, all the different keys of the book are things that I've been teaching in joy school. But when we're live and in person, we, not in person, live on Zoom, we can, mm-hmm. you know, go a lot deeper and do different things and make it more personalized. But, yeah, some people come to joy school from the book because they want a place to go and, and talk about it and practice with other people who are in that same mindset. But it's totally fine if someone's not reading the book, too. We have that as well, as we all learned in high school. It's possible to get get by the class without opening the text, and, and that's what some people choose to do, and that's beautiful, too. But it's really just a very, very supportive, it's different little um, small groups where where we support one another in elevating joy. And so often seeing how somebody else is applying a principle or how it's showing up in someone else's life, that provides the opening for a different joy schooler to say, oh, I hadn't thought about it that way. And it, it really leads to a lot of those Kirkland's, a lot of those integration moments just by, by sharing the experience with others. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, let's see. Now, Okay, we're gonna we're gonna go just for sake of time. But before we go, I just wanted I was looking at your bio and things like that here to see if I've kind of forgot anything. So I was kind of talking out loud. But LisaMcCourt.com, Joy, Joy School is there. Have you really written forty books for adults and kids? Forty books? Oh my gosh! I just read that. I don't know why that my eyes skipped over that. But 40, you have forty books. Holy moly! A lot of those That's were early awesome. on uh, kids books. And most yeah. of them are out of print. My my sticky okay. face line has stayed in print for 25, 26 years now, which I am so grateful for. All the stinky face books are in print. But a lot of the other books that I wrote for kids, and I wrote parenting books for Macmillan at one point um, when my kids were young, you know, how to raise a happy toddler, how to raise a happy baby. And uh, most of those are, are no longer available because I've been doing this a long time. But, yeah, not, no, not I, many altogether. Yeah, that's awesome. And then um, one, you've got some names here that I know and love, like Jack Canfield. He's endorsed my books and is a good buddy of mine. Um, love him. And then also when I very first, like I said, I was on this learning journey. We did this huge um, motivation marathon. And uh, this was way back like years ago now, probably like almost 15 years ago now. <laughs> but Michael Beckwith was the keynote. Oh, yeah, yeah. Dr. Michael Beckwith yeah, was I'm, the keynote. He has been one of my teachers for sure. I've been long, long time with Agape. I sing in the Global Choir, which I absolutely love doing more than more than I can vouch for my my talent at doing it. I can vouch for my enthusiasm. <laughs> <doing it>. But uh, <laughs> I'm yeah. not a, I'm not a lead. I don't get like the solos, <laughs> but they let me sing back up, for which I'm really grateful. <laughs> yeah, enthusiasm always. But, when so anyway oh, that's awesome all right well have i forgotten anything it's been a true joy having you here um and i didn't mean that as a pun or anything like that i just mean really like a true joy um being able to being able to meet you and have you on the best ever you show it's so cool um and it it uh i never thought it's funny because you know you read these books to your kids and you're like god oh, that'd be so i'm i'm a collector of kids books just so you know i've like Signed Jan Brett books and things like that. So maybe I'll add to my collection. But I never thought, like, I was like, oh, I, that'd be so cool to meet her one day. You know, I was like, I'm like that when I was reading kids' books. I'm like, wherever I could, I'd meet the author. And I never had a chance to meet you up until this moment. So our journeys brought us together. And boy, would that be a highlight of my life. I'll, I'll pay you money for a copy, a signed copy of I Love You Stinky Face. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> my kids would be like, I know that book. No. 
funny. Oh, no no money required. Consider it oh, on its way. I am thrilled to meet you. I love your heart. I can feel you. I love making – is that one of my favorite perks of this whole little world that we're in is getting to meet beautiful, like-minded sisters because yeah. they're not a dime a dozen out there, right? We no. do have to sort of, like, find them through these networks, and it's my greatest blessing to have been able to connect with people like you. I adore you, new friend. Yeah, I adore you too, new friends. So here we go. We'll we'll go on a little journey that we go to. Thank you, HCI and and Lindsay and everybody over there and Christine. Um, okay, everybody, it's sure. that time. You know, you know me from listening to the shows. It is very difficult for me to end shows, but we're going to do it. I'm going to press the end button here soon. Uh, I just want to thank you all for listening to us. Um, we are inching up on five million downloads now, and that is uh, listens and downloads, and that is not an easy feat. We've been doing this since 2010, all grassroots. I always say that I am, uh, my nickname was, well, it kind of still is, it's Outflow. Uh, we all know that. <laughs> but um, it's a funny nickname. But I always say, you know, we're uh, mom approved and a little bit of Outflow husband funded and things like that. And it cracks me up. But we don't do advertising or anything like that with anything with Best Ever You. So it is all grassroots. It's all pretty much free. You can write articles in the magazine. I never really even charge people for ads in the magazine. So it's pretty much a free thing here. So that's my that's my thing. Um, and I love all of you very much for being here. Buying Lisa's book. Is it in pre-order or for purchase right now? Is it is it out? It is for purchase now. It's out. All right. Everybody head on over to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever you get your books, independent bookstores. Free Your Joy, The 12 Keys to Sustainable Happiness. I got it right. By author Lisa McCourt. And Lisa, thank you very much. It's been so much fun having you here. Thank you. I right. love you. All right. Love you too. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening. We're so glad you tuned in. Be brave. Be bold. Be you. And remember to visit us at besteveryou.com. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.